This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Low Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right, thank you. Ridiculous levels of popularity for your last appearance. You should be very proud of yourself. <laughs> nice one, yeah. So you tell me, so you tell me. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad. Obviously, if it was good feedback, then that's great. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not bad just stealing everyone else's stories, is it? Not at all. We're going to be doing the same <laughs> again via a Q&A. All the questions have been provided by Swindon Town fans. I haven't okay. I haven't included their names, but I thank everyone for contributing. The one thing we're not gonna do is we're not really gonna talk about Bill or Ricky or any of the any of the other clubs because hey, it's a Swindon Town podcast and you're still playing for yeah. Bill Rickery, aren't you? So Okay. We're gonna pick up where we left off in the last podcast and that's summer holidays. Something that Paolo Decanio felt that you were obsessed with uh, given the uh, supplements <laughs> anecdote that you provided last time round, we've got a question here from a Mr. H. Al Joffrey in Manchester who asks whether you remember being buried in the sand. <laughs> 
hasn't he? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Right. So actually, this says more about him than it does me. To be fair, I mean, what grown man would take away a 17-year-old lad on holiday and just get him hammered and leave him for dead on the beach? So basically, me and Jake Hyde, the season finished, and I think we were talking to Haz after training one day, and we were just all sitting in the change room, just. Um, just chilling and he was like ah do you fancy going for a few beers and stuff we were like yeah okay cool um so we went out and uh and then he said oh do you know what boys i think i'm gonna get away i think i'm gonna go to magaluf for a few days do you fancy it and me and jake just obviously we were young we were like yeah how much is it gonna be he was like oh magaluf cheapest chips like we'll just get a cheap flight out there and then i think he might have even covered the hotel for us as well to be fair to him and he just wanted like two little idiots to to sort of basically have a laugh at so um first first day we get there he like takes us to to i think it's called cruzos and if i've remembered that correctly like that's that is unbelievable for me but he took us to a place called cruzos uh in magloof i don't think i'd ever really like properly drank beer before <laughs> and we sat there in the sun and we just sank pints of beer and i think me and jake must have got to like five or six and i was spent and uh, next thing I know, I woke up, I'd gone for a walk down the beach and just lay down to just chill out a bit, uh, try and wrap my head around what the hell was going on, fell asleep and then woke up with a group of like people around me all taking pictures, laughing, <laughs> pointing at me and Hasney and Jake had like buried me up to my head and then put like iPod headphones around me, like a hat on me, sunglasses and all that. So yeah, um, I'm sure he had a great time, but it was at my expense for sure well there we go and um, what what was your favorite swindon era holiday and why my favorite swindon era holiday uh well that that one there with hasney i wouldn't say well at the time i thought it was amazing but there was a lot of uh just getting so drunk that i didn't really remember what was going on on that holiday so that wasn't ideal i'd say but i think probably my favorite one was the first ever lads holiday i went on and that was me jake and a lad called sam morris mm -hmm. um but we we used to call him muscles and basically we went to uh where did we go uh zanti i think it was us three we went to zanti uh in the first year of our scholar summer holidays yeah, we again, same thing. Literally, I think I might have gone on a week's holiday with like 70 euros spending money. <laughs> so like, I don't know how I wrapped my, I don't know how I thought that that was going to be enough to get by. But me, me, Jake and Sam were out there. And then that's funnily enough, like I know in the last podcast, we talked about my friend Jem. That's actually how we met that's how I sort of got reconnected with Jem because he was on holiday with James Henry who's now at Oxford and Ben Hamer so those three were out in Zanti and me Jake and Sam were out in Zanti and one night we were just um, aimlessly wandering down the strip about to do the penalty shootout challenge I think like that summed the holiday up we were on a lad's holiday and we just all we did was spend the whole night at the penalty shootout thing trying to win bottles of champagne and we bumped into Jem and his pals I hadn't seen Jem for a couple of years because I'd left Reading, obviously, uh, so I hadn't seen him. And then we basically then became real tight. And then that led to me then going to live in Reading with him and that whole then next stage that we spoke about on the last podcast. Holiday bromances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. <laughs> The penalty challenge. Yeah, like you, you must have seen them. You know, like in Malia and Zanti and stuff, 
they they you got like the strip of like you got all the bars yeah mm-hmm. and then you have like this little like it'll just be a football goal and some guy you pay like five euros and if you score three penalties against this little mad geezer that's like just a local <laughs> guy and he's in goal and i don't know whether he like he used to play for Barcelona B or something because he's a joke. This, you, you can't score three, basically. It probably doesn't help that you're hammered either. But, yeah, we basically would just go there and spend all our money taking penalties. Yeah. Just out of interest, how many how many holidays do, do footballers go on pre-season? Because of social media and things like that, you, sometimes you think, where are they now? And you get yeah. like, this two-month window, if that, and it's just relentless yeah. like one with the lads one with the partner and another one with the lads or teammates it's crazy yeah that's exactly what you yeah you'd normally go on the one with the teammates like early doors like straight away as soon as the season finishes like if obviously if you've had a good season <laughs> or as we said we've already spoke about it before my seasons are always either super high or super low so you need a holiday off the back of one of them regardless because you're either either out of despair or, or out of um, celebrations but yeah you always have a little three four day just straight after the season finishes with the lads just to sort of because a lot of people will obviously then move on to different clubs and everyone goes their separate ways kind of thing and obviously a season I don't know it's weird when you play football you kind of do form this like little brotherhood thing and a lot of the time you've spent obviously a lot of time together in high stressful situations so when the season finishes it is nice to like let off a bit of steam with the lads and then you normally obviously have your summer holiday that you'd have with your family, your missus, your kids, whatever. And then if you can sneak one in with the lads, I think most people do, don't they? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so many questions that really go towards gossip. So the next one is, what was your favourite Swindon era Christmas party and why? Oh, wow. That's a great question. That is a great question. Because I've had some unbelievable Christmas parties, you know. Right, hold on. Let me think what my best Christmas... Well, for sure, like, the best the best Christmas party will be one of the Danny Wilson ones. Like, that That goes without saying. There might have even... I think there was a good Paul Sturrock one as well, actually. But we had one... There was one that we had in Manchester where we did, like, fancy dress and me and Sean... I think Cy Ferry actually alluded to this story before... This was this was a this was a Danny Wilson one actually. This was we did fancy dress and me and Sean dressed up as Venus and Serena Williams and we were up in Manchester and we started and we started playing tennis in the middle of like Deansgate, which is like this big area where there was like a German market in Manchester, and like I was I basically I was up for it, but I was getting massively like roped into it more so by Sean who was thriving off <laughs> he was like loving it and he um he had like he had a skirt on I don't think he had any boxes on underneath either and he's out in the middle of the street and at one point he was like serving against Harvey Nichols like their massive glass door front front of the store and he's like setting up a serve bouncing the ball throwing it up in the air and then screaming like like you know like as venus or serena do when they serve he's doing like this crazy scream and then it, i'm not even joking he was gathering like full-blown crowds people were all people were all gathering around taking pictures of him and that so that was a good christmas party most of the ones that like ended up in fancy dress they were like real good they were really good christmas parties so we had one with paul Sturrock. um i would also suggest that maybe dressing up as uh, serena williams and vanessa williams any photos that emerge from that your political career is over 
Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And uh, well, aside from that, I'm sure that any photos that did arise, there would also be some nudity involved because, as I say, Sean didn't have any boxers on. So when he was jumping in the air, serving aces against Harvey Nichols' wall, people were seeing everything. I'll tell you who's a great guy, Blair Sturrock. You remember, you remember Paul Sturrock's son? Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he was hilarious. Had like the driest sense of humour ever. But And he was like a, he was a strange character, but... I got on well with him and, and he, he was if you knew how to take him if you could take it with a pinch of salt he was he was hilarious he like was going bald but he grew out a little like rat tail out the back and plaited it I think he might even I think he might even still have it you know but yeah he he was funny talking about summer holidays actually like right at the end of the season one time Blair goes to me right in the summer you're going to get a call you're not going to know who it's from it's just going to be an unknown number and it's just going to tell you a location and how many days until you have to be at that location. Just do it. Be there like that. I started laughing. I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever, Blair. Like you used to always say mad stuff like that. Anyway, about a month later, I'm at home, middle of the mid, middle of the summer, like off off season, whatever. I'm just chilling at home. I get a phone call from an unknown number and he's like, <laughs> I pick up. I'm like, hello. He goes, scooter concert norway three days time and just puts the phone down <laughs> so i don't know whether he went or whatever but i was cracking up afterwards um so i don't know whether i could just see blair now at a scooter concert in norway on his own waiting for me but yeah i never i never turned up to be fair do you know what blair's doing nowadays i don't know what he's up to it would you could tell me anything that that guy's doing and i'd believe it. I, it honestly i don't i have no idea he is head of soccer at an elite school on vancouver island in canada well there you go yeah. like he's in vancouver yeah. that doesn't surprise me nice that's a great little gig isn't it that'll do wouldn't it yeah nice um has he still got the rat tail i don't know he needed to come home didn't he um when he was a, a player i, I imagine it's gone. You're, you're working with kids at schools and stuff. You can't be you cutting can't. around one of them hanging off the back yeah. of your head. Surely not. <laughs> and Paul McGovern on set-piece duty. Morrison reaches it. That is a wonderful header. And that may just have sealed the game for Swindon Town, who once again have not chosen up there to clean off their feet of the valley. Next question. Which haircut do you regret the most? There's been a few, mate. There's been a few. There's the the one that you keep using for the podcast pictures is an absolute shambles of a cut. I don't really know what was going on there. I've got like, it's like business in the front, party in the back. Like I've got a bit of a mullet thing going on, haven't I? Yeah, I don't really know. They're probably, that's got, well, that's obviously my worst because I had like this naughty like chin strap thing going on too. That's about as bad as it gets, I think, that, that haircut I had there. I'm not sure it can get much worse, if I'm honest. It's a tough time to be a early 20s, late teens and be playing professional football, isn't it? You're not wrong. You're not <laughs> wrong, mate. No one else's mistakes are still on Google, are they? No. I think I think Miles' story's got, got it worse than you. Yeah, yeah, maybe, to be fair. <laughs> this is from Mike, who I believed you used to live with back in the day. He says, ask, oh, Callum, <laughs> he says, ask Callum about when his dad went on holiday while you lived with them and in about three days, you ate your way through about 10 
Muller Crunch Corner Yogurts. Yeah, that sounds about right. So as I've obviously spoken about Mike and I spoke about Trev and Dawn when I was on here before, we used to live in digs with them and they were like so good in terms of that, like without saying any names, I'd been at a couple of digs before and the food was always kind of like where they lacked a little bit, if you know what I mean. So Trev and Dawn were like amazing, like they'd go above and beyond in terms of the good food that they had in their, in their house. So Trev would finish work and he'd always go like via the shop and he'd always get like nice bits. They'd always have like, yeah, those, those Muller Crunch Corners. And they'd buy like, I think there was one time he went away for a couple of days and he like stocked up. And we used to come in from training and uh, it wasn't necessarily just me, to be fair. It was Jake, Jake Hyde. Yeah. If you saw this guy, he's got like 0% body fat, but his metabolism is not, he's not running like a normal human being. Like he can just eat his way through anything and he doesn't, he doesn't put on like a pound of fat. He's a disgrace, the guy. And uh, he used to just eat like, I'm not even joking. He'd come downstairs at 10 o'clock at night and eat like nine nine slices of toast with like ketchup and ham all over oh, it was a disgrace we basically just polished off these yogurts that trevor bought the day the day before he came home and he i think he was genuinely like in disbelief that we'd eaten something like 18 yogurts between <laughs> the two of us in like two days but he was good as gold trevor was to be fair what were your favourite ones? The ones were like the Weetos or were they the white and chocolate ball nah, ones? Do you remember when they brought out the milk chocolate digestive yeah. biscuit ones? Yes, they did. They were the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So like me and Jake, would, it would be a case of who could get in the fridge first and get them ones. And there was nowhere to save them because obviously if they went warm, they'd be rubbish. So you just had to start ploughing your way through them straight away. Just so people know, at time of recording, it's the the clocks have gone back and people have already got their fireworks out. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. <laughs> not, you're not wrong. You're not in a war zone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but they look good though. Oh, good. Mike would also like to remind you about the time you and Lloyd Macklin were late for a pre-season trip to Austria. Ah, oh, this is bad. So Paul Sturrock is obviously manager. We'd come back from pre-season and I'd been involved in a lot of like like first training sessions and stuff and I think we even played it we might have played a game against someone like a Swindon Supermarine or someone like that like a, a local sort of pre-season friendly and I'd done really well and so had Lloyd to be fair so we'd started off pre-season really well and then I remember Summers uh, who was Paul Sturrock's assistant at the time he came up to me at training and was like oh do you have your passport because the gaffer's thinking about taking you on a pre-season tour to Austria. So I was like, oh, wow, okay, amazing. So I had to go back to Surrey and get my passport, because obviously I didn't have it with me. So I got my passport, and then they did the same with Lloyd, that Lloyd Macklin, and we lived together. So we both had to get our passports, and then the gaffer the next day told us, yeah, you, we're going to book you flights. Like, we want you to come on the pre-season tour. So it was, like, amazing for us. We were at home, and I said to Trev, ah, oh, we've got to be at the ground for like five o'clock in the morning. So he was like, okay, cool. Yeah, just just get up, whatever. And I can't remember, we were going to get a taxi. I think we'd booked a cab or something like that. Anyway, wake up at 5.45. We had to be at the ground for five, I think it was. And we woke up at like 5.45, oh, woke up, woke up. And you know, like that, that fright of waking yeah. up late is bad, yeah. But not not like this, not with, not, with the first team that we had, like how brutal they were with the young lads anyway, I'm thinking of, I'm, I just thought when I woke up and saw the time, it was actually Dawn that came in the room and was like, oh, 
Callum Lloyd, like, what, what are you doing? You got to get up. You got to get up. Looked at the like that moment of looking at my watch and seeing what time it was, and I just thought, my life's over. Like, we're we're done. We're done. And um, Trev, literally, we had all our stuff packed. Obviously, luckily, Trev took us straight to the ground, and the coach hadn't yet taken. It hadn't actually left yet. So we had to like run on the coach and we just, as we got on the coach, obviously Paul Starr was sitting there waiting. As we ran on, I just went, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We, we overslept. Like it will never happen again. I'm, I'm really sorry. Uh, my alarm didn't go off. I know it's not an excuse. And I just didn't stop talking for like 30 seconds or whatever. <laughs> and he was like, and he was like, look, go on. It's all good. Like, I think they might have fined us something. I can't remember. They might have fined us slightly, but he could have been a lot more annoyed than he was. And then as we walked to the back, I think it might have been like Michael Pook. Pookie just started absolutely battering us for being late. He was saying like, oh, yeah, the gaff. But yeah, he said he was all right, but he's never going to play you ever again. No chance. And started like just giving us a bit of abuse. But yeah, we got away with that one. So yeah, Dawn saved us big time. Who did you room the most with when you were at Swindon? Well, obviously, in early stages, in digs, I was with, obviously, yeah, I was with Scott Doe at first. Mm -hmm. Then I was with Lloyd Macklin and Jake Hyde. Um, Tom Evans, do you remember a guy called Tom Evans? Yeah, so I was with Tom Evans for a little while. Um, I was actually with him from the start when we first moved into digs to then at Dawn and Trev's house as well. Um, And then, obviously, when it got more, like, in, in terms of the first team and stuff, quite often it would be me and Sean, to be fair. And then obviously he left for Reading. And then I'm trying to think who it would have been with the Cania. I can't really remember who it was with the Cania. I think it kind of like chopped and changed quite a lot with the Cania, actually. Like, I'm pretty sure he decided the rooms and they they quite often changed depending on who was playing. Sometimes he'd put like the fullback with the a winger that he was going to be playing with or both fullbacks. So sometimes it'd be like Cads. I might have even stayed with Sai a couple of times. I, I, don't, I can't really remember exactly. I don't think it was like a permanent room partner if you know what I mean was there ever a player when you sort of allocated someone you go in oh for f- oh, no yeah I'm sure th- I'm sure there was I'm sure there was but I don't think a it would be fair to say that on anyone and b <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, do you know what? Actually, I'm not sure there was, you know. I, I feel like I kind of got on pretty well with everyone. So, no, nah, I, I guess, obviously, if someone, if there was someone that you knew snored really bad or, like, was a terrible sleeper or something like that, then maybe. But, no, I didn't actually have any... There wasn't anyone that I roomed with that was um, that was too bad, to be fair. No, nah, no, nah, I don't think there was. Who was the best player you played alongside during your Swindon career? Best player I played alongside, I guess I'd probably have to say it was between it's between two. It's probably either Charlie Austin or Matt Ritchie, to be fair. I know that, again, obviously they seem obvious because they've gone on to do kind of the, the biggest things, if you like. But I think Charlie more because he just because of like the improvement that he made in the time that he was at Swindon. And I remember like I played with Charlie when we were 12 at Reading. He was in the year above me. Mm-hmm. And I played up an age group for Reading back then and he played in the same team and he always used to score goals then, but he didn't really like have much pace and I don't know, he just didn't really, he didn't seem like he was really, he didn't seem that like aggressive or or whatever, I'm not sure, he just kind of just seemed to like flitter in and out of games and whatever. And then I actually saw him, believe it or not, I actually saw Charlie Austin before he came to Swindon, I saw him in Malia on that holiday <laughs> that I went on. 
yeah, saw him there with his pals, he, and I was like, oh, what are you doing these days? He's like, I'm a builder now, uh, and he was playing for Paul Town. And I was like, oh, okay, nice, nice. So anyway, that was that. About two months later, I saw him come in for training at Swindon. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, all right, mate, how are you? And then from the moment he came in at training, he was a bit raw, but you'd go into like a five-a-side, and it was actually embarrassing how many goals he'd score. Like in, in any little like small-sided game, he would just have the one where he'd just shoot across the goalie into the far bottom corner, and it would just it could be going as slow as you like, but it would just always be out of reach, and it would always just nestle in the net and um and then gradually like he went from that to just getting more and more confidence and in the end he was like a joke in the air he was like, ridiculous at holding the ball up he was aggressive and he just i don't know he just really like took to it and just just once he'd started scoring some goals that was it when he actually played against carlisle for the first time me and him were sat next to each other in the change room and he was like double nervous like he was really really nervous and i said to him this look at me now trying to like claim to fame but I was like we were sitting next to each other and he'd he'd been banging them in in like the reserve games that we'd been playing in as well and uh he was like a bit nervous and he's sitting there and I just said to him mate you're gonna be sweet man you like you score you score every day in training you score in every single reserve game for fun trust me you're gonna score today and then like I don't know how long it took him, but it literally within X amount of minutes, he'd scored his first goal. And then um, because of my amazing pep talk, he basically then just <laughs> went on to play. Um, Matt Ritchie, again, I played against Matt Ritchie for years when we were kids as well. In that district level, he played for Gosport because he also played for Portsmouth at the time. So we used to play against him. And honestly, when I say he was the smallest 12 year old you've ever seen, like he was tiny and he just had that hammer left foot. And he used to play up a few years for Portsmouth and everyone used to talk about him being really good for Portsmouth. Uh, he had the best left foot I've ever seen, like just smashing balls in the top corners, left, right and centre. And then when he came to Swindon, obviously I then played against him a few times. And when, when he came to Swindon, he was playing left midfield a lot in that first season. He quite He struggled quite a lot, I think, because he doesn't really have like great it's not as if he's got loads of pace matt but when as soon as the canio put him on the right hand side and he could because he, he did have a good right foot as well so he could kind of he did this thing where he'd like almost stand side onto the ball and then he could either take a touch backwards on his left foot that you couldn't get to like you couldn't stop it because he had the ability to then curl it around you anyway or sometimes, because you thought he was so predominantly left-footed, you'd then overcompensate and he would more than happily chop it back onto his right and put a cross in on his right. So I think that him going over to the right-hand side just kind of opened the, the game up to him a bit more. And obviously, the way that we played with the Canio, that just kind of suited him to the ground because we would do a lot of like switching of play. Then he would be encouraged to come inside, and Cads would be encouraged to like overlap him. So then he'd have he'd have fullbacks doing like the Canadian barn dance because he could take him inside, outside. He'd go inside with Cads overlapping and reverse one to Cads. So they were just causing mayhem. But that season, obviously, when when uh, when we went up with the Canio. Matty, Matty was like unplayable at times, wasn't he? The next question was was going to be who was the worst player you played alongside, but I don't think that's particularly fair. But we can twist that question into you know who was just an, just in training, not 
terrible in ability, but just always shouting, always shouting at you and and telling you to do stuff and, and frustrating uh, generally. He definitely wasn't the worst player. He's probably one of the best players. But Gordon Greer, he used to lose his melon in training sessions, mate. Like he would to the point where people used to think, no, nah, this guy, like he's got anger issues. Like we, something would happen in training. He'd lose a small side of game and he'd be punching the ground kicking goalposts like really losing his rag so like Gordy he was one of them that like in a game you can make a mistake he would come for you he'd absolutely hammer you on the pitch like foaming at the mouth screaming and then you'd walk you'd go in and change room afterwards and like at that age when you're young when you're like 18 me and Sean used to play alongside him so we'd quite often be at the sort of end of his abuse if you like if something kind of went on with us and then after the game me and sean would come in and we'd have the ump a little bit that he shouted us or whatever because at that at that age you kind of sulk a bit don't you you don't like know to take things the right way so we'd be sitting in the bath like oh god he was a prick out there wasn't he and then he'd come in and he'd be like all right chaps what you up to tonight and we'd both be like sulking a bit like yeah nothing mate like like not really wanting to reply and then it was only as you get older you kind of learn that that's actually just part of the game like he was only trying to help us it was just his way he was so passionate on the pitch that it kind of come across like that so yeah no no Gordy was definitely like one of the more intense oh do you know I forgot about one of the best players Jonathan Douglas Jesus Christ what a player <laughs> yeah he he was a joke and the reason I remember that is because obviously Gordy and him they'd been at Blackburn together yeah. and um that uh, just reminded me then no, he was unbelievable and he was like the most chilled out laid back guy ever he before games he'd always be in the gym and he'd just be lying on the floor in the gym with his feet up on the wall like his legs up on the wall kind of with his eyes closed as if he was just kind of like meditating and he used to just be super calm never ever ever got like you know i don't think his his pulse ever went over sort of 60 beats a minute he was just nice and relaxed every time the ball come in he'd know his next pass he broke stuff up had the best outside of the foot i've ever seen and for someone that like maybe wasn't the most mobile and couldn't get around he was he was frightening i think si would probably say the same because si used to say how much he loved playing with him them two like really complimented each other because si on his day was a joke as well to be fair he was a really good player so good in that first season douglas and ferry weren't they yeah 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 and like and like a great combination of characters as well mm. because dougie was like real dry sense of humor quiet but like hilarious irish guy and then you had Sai, who was like a box of frogs just like <laughs> flying about and the two yeah the two complemented each other perfectly yeah richard he's hit it and it's deflected and swindon town have the lead You can go to college, university, or do an apprenticeship and learn a trade. And when you enter the trade, there's so much more to it than what you've been told. Who taught you how to be a footballer? Wow, great question. Who, who, who asked that? I couldn't possibly Louis say Louis Well, maybe. Um, I, think the, <laughs> I think that is more like, not necessarily how to play football on the pitch, just how to you know, be a footballer behind the scenes and things like that. That's a great question. Do you know what? To be completely honest with you, it's it's kind of the culmination of all of these things that we've been talking about in the last podcast and a half. Like, like you just pick up little gradual bits. When I first went full time with football, 
I don't think you realise like how like off it I was. I had no idea about anything. I had no idea about life. I had no idea about you know being away from home. Like to give you an example, I had a holiday booked yeah for like the week before the season started with my with my family because I'd obviously finished year eleven at school and then was going into pre-season and going to be coming to Swindon for the first time. So I remember going to Dave Lee when, when Dennis Wise was the manager and being like, oh, Dave, um, next week I'm not going to be at training because I'm going to Spain with my mum with my mom, uh, and sister because they booked a holiday. And he was like, what are you on about? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, we've got our summer holiday coming up. He's like, no, 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 you don't. Like, that's not how it works around here. And it's just little things like that you learn as you go on that, like, you know, football isn't like any other profession and it's normally through a lot of the older lads it's through a lot of mistakes it's through getting hammered a lot of times it's through Cy Ferry prank calling you and telling you that you're getting a move to Ipswich like things like that they are just the little pieces that all come together and teach you how to act on and off the pitch there's normally like obviously in any changing room you've got players that everyone looks up to so you'd always sort of pick little bits from them like a Gordon Greer like a JP McGovern I'd always take little bits from them Kevin Amankwa he was a fullback that was obviously playing he was doing really well under Danny Wilson as well I got on well with him so like all these little bits you learn and but the thing is you have to learn so quick and if you don't learn quick you you will get you will get chewed up and spat out and you'll get left behind and it is ruthless it is a ruthless world so like yeah there's there's a lot to be said for just kind of navigating your way through this and if I can call it a career I suppose I can now at this point being nearly 30 it's it's something that definitely has shaped me as a person and then you kind of start putting your own spin on things and then it's weird how when you get to my age all the young lads coming through think you're the old guy and start asking you for pieces of advice and yeah it's it's weird it is it that's a great question and I don't think there is anyone that can teach you how to be a footballer you've got to kind of just figure this thing out and take pieces of information from different coaches and managers that you can and I guess that's pretty much like anything in life isn't it any any career that you want to be a success at you kind of find a way like what however it is you find a way to figure out what the best method is that suits you and brings out your strengths as well as learning and trying to progress on your weaknesses as well. Louis Theroux would have been proud of that answer as well. I tell you what that would have made the cut. Who did you hate playing against during your career and these are in three categories players club and fans that were horrible. Players that I hated playing against do you know there's a well he ended up being one of my teammates but a guy called Gavin Massey. Yep. Uh, he's at Wigan now, uh, played with him at Leighton Orient, but he used to play for Colchester. So I played him against Colchester um, and that was always like a, a real tough game because he was like super direct. He was rapid, but had like really good ball control. He could like take people on either way. Um, so yeah, he could be a real problem on his day. I say I didn't like playing against him, but you know, like when you get there, you're thinking, here we go. Like this is going to be, this is going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. Um and then in terms of teams I didn't like playing, for Swindon teams I didn't like playing. Well, to be fair, we never got much joy against Oxford, to be fair, did we? <laughs> oh, um, no. but, but I used to, but I used to, it was weird. I always, I know most people say they used to like the big games, but I did actually, they were my favourite games anyway. I always used to like playing in the big games. A game I didn't like uh, often was Crew away. Crew away, 
they would always be decent and it should have always been a game that would I would have enjoyed because they play f- like real nice football but a lot of the time at crew away we'd get we'd get sort of done over and it wasn't enjoyable getting done over because they'd always have like a super young team some of them were like cocky and that and they were a bit annoying but they played great football to be fair so yeah I guess that was one Accrington away that's that's minging as well um <laughs> I don't think anyone really likes going there do they Morecambe away uh, oh, I'll tell you a guy who I actually get on really well with because he cracks me up, but Kevin Ellison, do you know him? Yeah, the, the, well, he's, he's still playing in his early 40s, isn't he? Yeah, notorious, isn't he? Yeah. Um, he is, oh, he's, he's hilarious, but he, um, yeah, he, he's he's someone that you wouldn't want to play against. Not, not necessarily because he's going to, it's just because he talks the whole game. He's <laughs> talking to the fans, he's talking to the ref, he's talking to your manager. He's, he's, oh, he's just non stop he's constant he loves it he just loves bantering people and he's a really good player and he's fit as a fiddle uh, aggressive and like going to Morecambe away it's normally always freezing and raining and then you've got him in the tunnel chirping up straight away like and then it's just 90 minutes of him talking and abusing everyone on the whole pitch and any fan that's within earshot of him as well so He's funny to be fair. I, I like over the years. At first, he used to get under my skin, but that was when then I learned that was what he was trying to do. And then I actually found him quite funny. And then me and him always got on quite well, and we'd always give it back and forth. And he he was he was good. He was well alright to be fair. What about the fans being horrible? It could be just a one off. Fan, fans being horrible. Uh, the the most abuse I've ever got on a personal level was Accrington away in the semi-final playoff for Wimbledon. Um, so, yeah, when I was playing for Wimbledon, we played against Accrington and there was this one guy in, in the crowd. I don't know whether he, like, had done his research on me or what or if he knew some people that knew me, but, comp- like, the whole game, he was just... When everyone else went quiet... He would stand up, and Accrington's a tiny little ground. You can hear it anyway. Mm. I'd be taking a throw on, and he'd be just battering me about everything and anything. He, yeah, he was coming for haircuts. He was coming for, he was coming for all sorts. He was saying like, "Get yeah, him! He can't defend. He's useless. Look at him. He's useless. He don't know what he's doing. He, 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 he don't know where he is. Look at him. Play on Kennedy. He's like screaming, play on Kennedy like that. Um, and then, in, and then I was like, we were walking in for half time. And I was thinking, God, thank God we're going to the second half. I can get away from this guy because he will not stop shouting. Walk round second half, ball comes back to me, and I've like clipped it up to Akin Fenwa, and then I've just heard to like to my left, he'd walked around the pitch and come and stood next to me. He's like, "Don't think you're getting away that easy, Kennedy." And I was like, "Oh, for God's sake!" <laughs> we're going to go through the eras now. So the three eras okay. that you refer to from your Swindon time: the yep. Storrock era, the Wilson era, and the Decanio era. Um, so yep. hopefully, we'll get plenty of lovely anecdotes from all three. The first okay. question is for the Storrock era. So before Gordon Greer, when you started kicking yeah. around the Swindon Town first team, who intimidated yeah. you the most? Who intimidated me the most? Um, um, to be fair, like Hasney, Hasney, like not not because he was like, you know, gonna gonna sort of beat you up or anything like that but just because he was very confident he'd obviously played at a good level with Plymouth and stuff and he'd obviously been at Bolton he was just a really good player and he was very self-assured and he was just a a main focal point like he was very loud in the changing room and kind of if he set his sights on you 
and he come for you a little bit he wasn't afraid to say anything so you would be wary of like making sure that you were like kind of in his good books but me and him always got on like house on fire he was always like really good to me to be fair so he was always good I'll tell you who actually I was intimidated by A.D. Williams mm-hmm. A.D. Williams used to used to kind of really have me on my toes because he kind of ended up being the resi manager and again like we got on really well him and Jamie Vincent were like a terrible two so like them two were um but they were they were so funny together them two but they were also like when it was work time it was work time and they would it was weird it was one of them a bit like what we were saying earlier about learning like as you go mm. you'd think everyone was laughing and joking and you'd join in and then they would have turned all serious straight away and then it's like you'd get an absolute bollocking for like still messing around when it was work time kind of thing so little things like that they would just be teaching you the guidelines but ad williams definitely um i'd say he was probably the one i was most wary of coming through under paul starrick for sure yeah it's, it's strange isn't it because i mean when you're starting out you're playing with people that were you know just about to make their debuts when you were born and then suddenly yeah, yeah. teammates aren't they so yeah i guess that yeah, would be yeah a wee bit yeah and he and he'd been at reading as well i'd been at reading so i knew of him he was like captain at reading he was like well known there and it was just i don't know he was just but he like i said he was he was good as gold to me he really liked me he like sort of made me reserve captain when he was resi man like he was always good but at the same time sometimes me and sean would get a little bit excited joining with the banter too much and then he would just <laughs> out of nowhere just flip and then if he flipped you'd shit your pants basically <laughs> if for day one send me off every game no problem i will win this league anyway because my team is a strong team their world we play football even if they send me off we win this league no problem you're listening to the low strangers podcast proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club from the players who you came up with and indeed those afterwards who should have gone on to play hundreds of professional games but for whatever reason didn't do you know Ben Joyce? Yeah, he uh, he scored on his debut against Port Vale. And then, is he MMA now? I think he's boxing or something nowadays. Is he, yeah? Is yeah, he, yeah? Oh, fair play. That don't surprise me, actually. Joyce, he was like, oh, he was all over a little bit of a rough and tumble, yeah. He, no, he was a hell of a player. Really good player. I think he could have he could have definitely gone on to have like a good career for sure. I'm not really sure why he ended up not having a good career to be fair. Very similar story with like Lloyd Macklin. Like Lloyd was rapid, like scary fast. And I think that I don't really know what went wrong for Lloyd really because even after Swindon he still had like obviously went to Torquay, he still got some games and whatever. Maybe it just wasn't he didn't maybe progress as he should have done off the back of that early sort of bit of interest. But no, both of them both of them were good players that I think could have definitely had careers if some of the other people, well, some of the other lads in our team that have gone on to forge careers at the time, those two were probably ahead of ahead of a lot of us. Next question is, Billy Painter always gets labelled with the Joker tag. Examples, please. All right. I've got a story for you about Billy. Okay, so you remember Kaid Mohammed, yeah? Yep. So Kaid, he was like one of a kind, right? And uh, Kaid used to be like a footballer slash MC slash rapper slash playboy. He was all sorts, yeah? And he used to uh, live for a night out and basically he'd be the guy that was like cutting around in red shoes, white trousers and a red blazer. Like he loved it, yeah? He was like proper flash. 
and great guy by the way one of the best guys ever if you wanted to have a good night out and you had Kai in, uh, with you it was going to be unbelievable Pookie Pookie was like a proper joker as well and him and Billy Painter together they were like a nightmare yeah, for everyone else so Pookie Billy Painter and Chris Blackburn were in the showers one day and they're chatting away and Billy had moved from South End to Swindon. By the way, this would be the story that any of them guys would tell if they came on. So I'm proper stealing their thunder here. But they're in the showers and they're chatting away. And Billy Payne was asking Pookie and, and Chris if they would come to South End. He, he'd hired a van and he said to them, oh, will you come to South End with me? because I need to get the last bits from my house and move it back to... I'm, I'm Obviously, I've moved to Swindon. I need to go and get the last bits from my house and bring them back to Swindon. Mm. So they were like, yeah, okay, cool. When do you want to do it? He's like, oh, we'll do it on Saturday night after the game, won't we? And he's like, they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, sweet. Anyway, as they're talking about this, Kyde walks into the showers and Kyde's like, oh, what, what's that? What's that? And they're like, and then Bill's gone, don't worry about it, Kyde, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, no, what is it? He went, no, 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 don't worry about it, Kyde. You don't, you don't, you don't want any part of this, mate. And he's like, no, 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 seriously, lads, what is it? What is it? And then Pookie's gone, well, listen, Bill's got like this, uh, uh, he's got this mate, basically, he's asked us to do a job for him. And we've got to go to this house and we've just basically got, he's given Bill a van and we just got to get some stuff out of this house and put it in the van and, and bring it back kind of thing. So Kyde's like, all right, okay, okay, okay. And he goes, yeah, he's going to give us like 200 quid each. So Kyde's like, I'm in, I'm in, man. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll, let me do it with you. And then Bill's gone. Nah, nah, nah. Kyle, you're too, you're too, you're too um, obvious. Like we can't do it with you. He's like, no, no, no. Please, Bill, let me, let me. So he's like, all right, cool. Okay, Kyle, you're in. He said, look, we'll pick you up from Pizza Hut at seven o'clock on Saturday night or eight o'clock or whatever it was when the game's done. And he said. Uh, We'll go down there. But he said, Kyde, you can't tell anyone about this. Kyde's like, yeah, OK, sweet. So after the game, they go home. Pookie, Bill and Chris Blackburn, like, go home, put on all black gear, balaclavas. <laughs> they put on, like, a war paint. Pookie's got, like, a golf club. they got cricket bats, all sorts. Uh, and they go to they go to Pete's Hut and they've got this van that Bill's hired. All he's doing is moving his stuff from his old house to a new house. But Kyde thinks that they're going to like do a job. <laughs> I don't know what he thinks they're doing, to be fair. And uh, anyway, they get to Pete's Hut to pick him up. And he stood there in like white snakeskin loafers, ripped jeans and like a white waistcoat <laughs> with uh, like a all gold, gold chains on and that. And they're like, Kyde, what are you doing? And he's like, what? I'm going out after this. And they're like, yeah, we're supposed to be like inconspicuous and you're cutting around like out, out of night fever or something. He's like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. He's like, what are you? Have you bought? Are you you all brought tools and stuff? Yeah. Pookie's holding a golf club in the back of the van. And they're like, oh, this is unbelievable. So anyway, they, they go to him. All right. Clyde, listen, there's only two seats in the front of this van. So like we'll give you 50 quid each of our money that we're getting. But you've got to sit in the back of the van. So he's like, oh, you're joking. I've got to sit in the back of the van all the way to this place. They're like, yeah. So he gets in the back, no lights, nothing. He's just sitting in complete darkness while they're all in the front, just driving over to South End. They get out the other end and Bill, Bill sets them all up. He goes, right, we're going to go in here. We're not turning lights on or whatever. We've got to be real quiet. He said, and I've got the list of stuff here, right? He goes, this list of stuff here, if we take anything that isn't on this list, we're dead. We can only take the stuff that's on the list. All right, Kyle. And Kyle's like, yeah, yeah, no, no worries, man. No worries. He's like, no, seriously, you promised that you're only going to take what's on the list. Yeah. 
he's like yeah cool so anyway pookie and chris blackburn had set this up already that they put loads of like paracetamol in little um in little like plastic bags and crushed them all up and stuff like that yeah so then pookie's as they're walking around they've gone in the house and pookie's gone to kai this is definitely a drug dealer's house for sure this is a drug dealer's house i guarantee there's loads of drugs in this gaff and kai's like you reckon yeah he's like yeah 100 percent. there's loads and he'd like slid all of the bags of of like fake paracetamol cocaine and all that down like the back of sofas and stuff so when they're picking up the sofas to take them back to the van pookie slid his hand down and pulled out like a bag of like fake drugs he's like oh shit guy look look i told you i told you and guy's like oh no way no way like they're kind of nuts yeah and then they've like they they've put all the stuff they're like taking stuff back and from the van and uh, as they're like packing stuff up, Kide comes running outside the house and he's holding. This is so good. He's holding. He's gone. He's obviously gone into the bedroom. He's taking stuff out of the bedroom and he's come across one of Bill's old shirts. So he's come running down the stairs. They're all at the van. He's come running down. He's like, Bill, 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 you ain't going to believe this. He's like, what? He's like, this guy's a South End fan, mate. He's got one of your shirts. He's got one of your shirts like that. And they're all cracking up. Yeah. He's got no idea that that's obviously daft. that this guy that they're going to do a job on his house is a, just happens to be a South End fan with a Billy Painter shirt in his cupboard. <laughs> so they like, obviously they, they get it all. They pack up all the stuff, go back to Swindon. Clyde goes on his night out. And then for like four days, Kide's coming up to him like on the sly at training, going like, "Oh lads, like when 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 are we getting paid? Like when's it all when's it all coming coming in kind of thing?" And they're like, "Yeah yeah yeah, couple couple more days, couple more days." They string him along for like a week or whatever, and then they took him out in the stands at training, sat him down, and they were like, "Oh Kide, listen, we were just having you on, mate. Like we just went and moved all Bill's stuff to his new house in Swindon. You absolutely went for it." And they all started like cracking up. All the lads came running out, everyone laughing, and Kide was fuming. He didn't talk to him. He didn't talk to him for like two weeks. He was livid. Yeah, he was absolutely raging. I think he was more fuming the fact that he didn't get to go on his night out until like two o'clock in the morning. But yeah, that was a good one. When they told us that, we were all crying with laughter. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How does one to respond to that? We'll move. Up, we'll move on. The next question simply says. Simon Ferry anecdotes, please. Simon Ferry anecdotes. Jesus, where do, I don't even know where to begin with Si. Uh, has Si ever told the one about the end of season, like what him and Sean at the end of season? I'm sure that like probably a lot of fans know that because a lot of fans were there, to be fair. But we had like, well, obviously when we lost in the playoff final to Millwall, we then had like the end of season do at the ground. And we had like a big marquee outside and then you could go from inside to outside. So there was the marquee with a live band and then inside there was like music and there was people inside as well. Yeah. And um, I think Sean, Billy Painter and Wardy had gone to the toilet and in the toilet. No, that was it. Sean, Sean and Cy were in the toilet and then Wardy and Billy Painter ran in with a fire extinguisher mm-hmm. and covered them with a fire extinguisher yeah like properly covered them both mm. sean had just bought a brand new calvin klein suit for like 600 pound was cut like well, i'm talking fully foam like and it was wet the wet foam so his suit was now just ruined and soaking wet yeah so he's then 
like they're laughing everyone's wrestling in the toilet there's like fire extinguisher foam everywhere and then afterwards like sean is then he's like i can't actually wear this suit like it's ruined like i'm soaking wet it's ruined and then he's drunk as you like and he ended up taking off his suit and then he's chased billy out in like his pants and billy has like spraying him still with a fire extinguisher bill sprayed the floor they they did like a slip and slide thing they sprayed the floor with all the fire extinguisher yeah. and sean and Sai were running and sliding in their pants up and down and there's fans everywhere like we were at an event like and uh I think Sean. I think Sean might have even got naked in the end. I think he was da- literally naked, sliding in the foam up and down like the the area where people used to go, the hospitality suite or whatever it was, yeah. wherever I was. He's sliding around doing like going around in circles, and um, and then Jeremy. What's what was Jeremy's surname? No, Nick Watkins. Nick no, Nick Watkins. Watkins. Nick, Nick, yeah, Nick Watkins, like the the nicest, softest spoken guy ever. He he wandered. He happened to like wander into this absolute pandemonium in the hospitality suite, and he seen Sean on the floor naked, covered in foam, doing circles yeah. and on his bum. And he and he like proper shouted at him. He's like, he's he just. I can't even remember what he said. He proper shouted at him though in front of everyone. Like told him to like get the fuck up, basically get in the <laughs> toilet and sort yourself and sort yourself out. And I can't I can't believe that that didn't go more. I, I didn't. I don't know how that wasn't a, a bigger thing. Um, yeah, I think the fans just they were just enjoying the show, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he and then and then first day back at preseason, like six seven weeks later, Danny Wilson called Sean in and was like, "See what happened at the end of season? Do like that 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 can't fly." And Sean was <laughs> like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah." But Sai was involved in that. Um, Sai was always involved. Sai was involved in anything that seemed to be going on that was like untoward. You'd you'd know that Sai had something he had something to do with it. Um, but I think more so with Sai, it was like his his best work was off the cuff, yeah. like just the little one-liners that he used to drop. And if someone did something that was a little bit silly, he would then take that and just absolute run amok with it, and you'd just get absolutely abused for days and days and days. Um, he used to go into the office where all the people used to work, like at the stadium. We'd obviously go back to the stadium for lunch. And Sai, the moment we got back, would be in the office with all the people that worked in there, just terrorising them. Like Marie, Chris Tanner, Adam Wainwright, all of those guys. He would be in there, Karen Ainsworth, he'd be in there and he would just be, ah, oh, <laughs> just terrorising them. They'd, they'd probably have more stories than I would about him, to yeah. be fair. The next question was, was Ferry ever on the receiving end of pranks? Nah, he used to just get like obviously he would get hammered for the gear that he wore. Like he would, he would, he would rock in, and be like, "Oh, hey, chaps, by the way, how good is my attire today?" And everyone <laughs> would be like, "Are you actually winding me up?" So he used to be sort of personal hype man, if you like. He would, he would come in and and wax lyrical about his gear, and everyone else would be sort of hammering it. He had a few questionable haircuts himself, to be fair, yeah. uh, but. Uh, he didn't really used to, I think most people used to think, like, this guy's got nothing better to do with his time. If I come for him, he's going to end up, like, <laughs> doing all he can to come for me, yeah. Now Richie finds Ferry, beaten away by Colgan. Oh, it's loose, it's Ferry again! And that has surely sealed Twindon's place in round two. 
did the town players take to the Samsung Winner Pro Contract competition? Um, I think during your time, Jordan Pavitt and Chris Smith would have been those winners. I'll be completely honest with you. That competition didn't really garner much interest from the first team. I don't think, if we're completely honest, like no one was too, no one kind of paid too much interest in that. And then when the lads obviously then had won and come in, I think, you know, for the first week, there'd be a couple of jokes about it. And then the next thing, they're just, as long as they weren't like, you know, if they could hold their own, they're now just in with the squad and everyone like kind of took to them pretty well. And it was fine. Like, Jordan Pavitt was a good lad, real good lad. And Chris Smith was a great lad as well, to be fair. Chris Smith was a good player. But yeah, I actually still speak to Chris every now and then on Instagram or whatever. But no, he was a he was a good lad and yeah, they were both they were both decent players, to be fair. It wasn't like, you know, one of them things where it was like we were like, well, it, this is a shambles kind of thing. It wasn't that at all. Chris Smith is busy on Instagram. Yeah, he loves it. He's like a PT, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't, uh, well... He's uh he's shredded now, yeah. so fair play. Um, let's begin to wrap up because we're already at an hour, so we've only got a few questions left. But it is the Decanio era. Um, the question yeah. is: apart from Leon Clark, who did Decanio hate the most? And please provide examples. Apart from Leon Clark, well, obviously when that Leon Clark thing happened and he came in the change room afterwards, I've never seen a man more raging in my whole life. Um, he was fuming and he was like, I think he might have even ripped his own shirt off, storming around the changing room, going crazy about Leon. Leon was out on the pitch, obviously, after that whole thing had happened. And like the canyon was going nuts and he's walking around and he just flipped the table over. Um, he might have even like pulled a locker off the wall. He was like going nuts. And then there was like, I remember there was just a cup of tea sat right in front of me in a china mug on the floor. Yeah hole like like perfectly just sat there dead still and while he was going crazy he'd like somehow missed it he'd, <laughs> he'd been like stepping he'd been like stepping over it and stepping around it i don't even know if he knew he was doing it but he missed this all, all i was looking at was this cup of tea and he kept on moving around it somehow and then he's gone like no 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 like i've had it i've had enough i've had enough he's like gone storming out of the room everyone's kind of like giving a sigh of relief and then he just come flying back in and he's like what the fuck is this and then just booted this cup of tea and honestly it just shattered just went everywhere tea just dripping off the ceiling went everywhere everyone's like ducked for cover in the lockers and then he's come he's gone again he's like gone storming out the change room and then i just remember looking at looking across and you know alberto Camazzi. yeah yeah, he was just sat opposite me, just looking at me, tea just dripping down above his head. And he's like, no, 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 this cannot happen. <laughs> and we were all like just cracking up. Like he was in disbelief. He he, he was like, what is going on here? Um, that was good. He'd go through stages of not liking of not liking anyone. He didn't like Sire for a long time. Mm. There was a time he thought Sire was lying. And he was out on a night out when he was watching X Factor at home. What else did it? He didn't like me, obviously, at the protein thing. There was a lot of the times he didn't like people. We used to do this thing on a Sunday morning, right? Come win, draw or lose, we would be in on a Sunday morning about eight, eight o'clock, depending on the result. Sometimes it was eight, sometimes it was nine, whatever. And we'd go into this little room and he'd have a TV 
and we'd watch like the whole game back basically yeah and he'd be stopping and starting and Fabrizio his assistant would be the one that was on the computer and Fabrizio wasn't exactly like a a computer whiz and he'd basically been given this job of like cropping and cutting and clipping videos <laughs> and like putting them into order for us to watch and he used to obviously make loads of mistakes and Decanio would be like raging and you'd see like you know when someone's like the, the the computer would be mirrored to the tv screen and when he was like going through the files and stuff you could see what time the folders were made and it would and it would say like it would say like uh i don't know crew alexandra away and it would be folder made at 4 57 a.m yeah so like him and fabrizio had been up all night clipping these videos yeah and Fabrizio looked like death, like he could barely even function anymore. And the Canio would just be at a hundred mile an hour, like going after it. And um, at first we used to watch the clips and well, we'd watch like the whole game and he'd be stopping and starting. And sometimes we'd watch a game through like twice with stopping and start. We'd be there for ages. And then gradually, like we progressed. I think Fabrizio's like IT skills progressed. And then it used to be this thing, right? Where we'd come in and the first time it ever happened, he's like gone, right, Fabrizio, Fabrizio, get the clips up, show the clips, show the clips. And Fabrizio's like clicked on the computer screen and then he's gone to the game and say, for example, it was, say, let's just say it was crew. He's like clicked on crew Alexandra. And then from that folder, it opened a subfolder that said Aiden Flint. Mm. And we were like, and everyone's just gone like, oh, what's that mean? Like that. He clicked on it and then there was like 10 clips within this folder of just Flinty's mistakes that he'd, that the Canio had like highlighted basically. Yeah. So he's then gone through them and he's just coming for Flinty, like just battering Flinty. And then that then was the new thing. So it was like on a Sunday morning, we'd come in and everyone would be sitting there and you'd just be waiting for him to click on the folder to see if you had your own folder. Ooh. Yeah. And then gradually over time, the folders would get like, he'd click on it and it would be like, there'd be nine folders, Callum Kennedy, Cy Ferry, Aidan Flint, like Wes Fodderingham, there'd be loads of us, yeah? So then the next thing became, when he clicked on your folder, how many thumbnails you had within the folder, within the folder. Like if you had less, we used to say like, if you had less than six clips, you'd had a really good game. If you had any more than say 10, you were getting it basically so there'd be this moment where you'd be like your heart would be racing you'd see callum kennedy callum kennedy callum kennedy click on it and it'd be like five clips and you'd be like yes get in there <laughs> and you'd know that he was probably just going to give you like 30 seconds of abuse and then that was it but flinty that first day like he he got it he was like oh, oh watch this watch this watch this we have we have aiden flint he's a footballer he thinks he can play football look 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 take a look at this and from center the ball rolled back and flinty's just zinged it off for a throw and he's just as it's gone off for a throw decanio just slapped the tv clean off the stand it just fell on the floor he's like what is this just started going nuts that session that you used to sit in kind of leads well to the next question because it, it says here, pre-season has been covered, but what was the day-to-day -day like under Paolo Di Canio? It was mentally like it would take you to the limit. We'd come in super early every day, obviously, come in, get changed, head up to the training ground. And when you got to the training ground, he'd be there and he'd be waiting. 
So we'd all come out and we'd walk over. And when we came through the trees, we'd see him standing there. And we'd all, everyone, we'd all be walking together. We'd all be murmuring under our breath, like, oh, God, oh, God, what kind of mood is he in today? Like, And we'd be walking over. And you could kind of tell from his demeanor from, like, 100 yards whether it was going to be a bad day <laughs> or a terrible day. And we'd be walking over and we'd be like, oh, we're getting it. Oh, we're getting it. Like, sometimes he'd be pacing backwards and forwards waiting for us. And then we'd, like roll over there and it would just be go time straight away and he'd just get stuck into us like from the get-go but we used to have i'd say on average a 40 minute chat before every day at that place like when we'd first walk out he'd be there and we'd start talking for half an hour 40 minutes and and then we'd go off with claudio and claudio would take us through like an activation and a warm-up which would take a good 40 minutes and then and then we would go with the canio and we would do like tactics team shape and a lot of the time that would be like um he would just put poles up and that was the op- that was the opposing team in their formation they'd play and then he would just shout like what player of theirs had the ball so he'd go like right back and then we'd all have to run and move to where we'd be if the right back had the ball and we'd do that for like a good hour hour and a half then sometimes he'd take the back four and he would just work on our back four like being real compact and knowing where to be as we move around the pitch and then sometimes he'd be like shouting me like Callum tuck in tuck in I'll be thinking I'm, I'm tucked in I can't get any closer to Flinty like or Joe Devere or whoever it was I'm like I'm tucked in as I can be like surely not and he'd be going tuck in tuck in and then then he'd be jogging around he'd be the only player that we were against he'd just be running around with the ball taking it left and right and we'd all be moving around and then every now and then he'd like flick a ball in the air and someone would go and head it and we'd have to cover around things like that and he'd be going Callum Callum tuck in tuck in I'd be like yeah yeah, okay I am I am or I think I am and then the ball he'd just like drop the ball on the half volley and with the outside of his right foot he would just bend a ball between me and Flinty and it would go through, and the moment it'd go through, I'd be like, no, how did he do that? And then he'd be like, I told you to tuck in. And I'd be like, yeah, but Gaffer, no one else can play that pass. Like, it's only you that can do that. I can't, like, no one else is going to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, it was intense. Man. It was like constant. He'd just be on it, on it all the time. Um, penultimate question now. Alessandro Chibocchi is something of a cult hero with Swindon. What are your memories of him? I just remember first day him training with us in Italy on pre-season and he was in the he was in the shower like like we were finished training and he was just stood in a pair of pants and then he took the pants off and he had an, effectively what looked like another pair of pants in a tan line like he had the best tan I've ever seen with the whitest ass you've ever seen in your life he just had I don't know what he was. He must have just been cutting around at home in this pair of wife fronts like all the time, or going on sunbeds with it, or whatever. Didn't have a hair on his body, uh, couldn't speak a word of English, uh, and he was just a real strange character. He had like a fiery temper, but he was funny, man. He was a good guy, and he was. He had a great left foot as well, like an unbelievable left foot. He was just a bit kind of erratic at times, wasn't he? The final question comes from a Mr. R. Devita in Scotland. And he said, nice. and he says, since Cow is the best storyteller in English football, I would love to hear him talk about the few days before Aldershot and Decanio's reaction after the game. Right. Okay. So, so I kind of told this story already, didn't he? But when I listened to it, I was like, so you, you ain't given that justice. I don't think you did it the best that you could have done it there. But I always get a little bit like muddled up on the exact like 
people involved here so you gotta like kind of bear with me a little bit if if i get names wrong kind of thing but but effectively we were obviously in a position where we were nearly we'd nearly like seen it through and we were going to be promoted or, or whatever it was yeah we were coming obviously into the the home straight of the season if you like yeah yeah and i can't remember when it was or what it was exactly but basically we had a game on a saturday and i feel like all the shot was on a Tuesday night. Am I right in saying that? Do you know? It was a weeknight, yeah. Okay, so on the Saturday, on the Saturday we played this game, whatever. And then after the game, a few people had said, "Right, uh, we, we're gonna, we're gonna, come on, let's let's go out. Like we've done it, we've done it. Like we got all the shot away. They're terrible. Like we're gonna be fine. Let's go on a night out." So I luckily had gone home. Yeah, so I couldn't go on. If I'd have been there, I'd have gone on this night out as well. So I would have been involved in this. But at the time, I was like, I've got to go home, lads. Sorry. So I went back home, went back to Reading. And these boys obviously went on their night out. And Di Canio had to go back to Italy for whatever reason. Um, I think maybe, I'm not sure if I'm right in saying this, maybe his mum had passed away. I can't remember. Or he had to go back to Italy for something. He had to sort something out, yeah? So we weren't in on the Sunday. And I think that that was the reason why everyone thought, oh, let's go out. Because we weren't in the Sunday. We'd always been on the, in on Sundays. So they were like, look, let's just go out and have a couple of drinks on the sun, on the Saturday night. Nothing too crazy. I don't think they did go too crazy, to be fair at all. But they did. They were out. So the last thing Decanio says is, look, there's not going to be any training on Sunday. But I don't want anyone to go out kind of thing. Yeah. So he's like, see you on Monday morning. So anyway, Monday morning comes around and... He obviously had somehow got wind. I think it had been on like a forum or whatever. Someone had said that they'd seen X, Y and Z players in Old Town or something like that. Yeah. So on Monday morning, we come in and we're we're like training and we couldn't tell whether he knew or not. So like what I said earlier about when we used to walk out, we used to like kind of try and judge his demeanor and see if he like had the ump or see if he see if he, see if he knew anything or whatever. Yeah. So as we're walking out, we're all looking. And this was like the time where we were most nervous because people were thinking like, oh, God, like what what what's happened here kind of thing? Is he going to know? Is he going to is he not? Is he going to know? Is he not? And we came out and he, he didn't really let on too much. So we're thinking now nah, if he knew he 100 percent, if he knew he would have gone nuts, he couldn't hold that in. Like, there's no way he's too he's too like passionate or whatever. He, he would have gone crazy. So. They, we kind of thought that they'd got away with it. So anyway, I hadn't been playing, and then all of a sudden I'm in the team. Yeah. So I, 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 we did our team shape, whatever. So it was like, right, you, I'm in the team, and then there was a couple of other changes, and we're like, this is a bit weird because there was people like Sai that would have definitely been playing, but then I can't remember whether it was Joe Devere or Flinty, but someone was playing who had been out. Yeah. So that was the reason why we were like, well, if if he's playing we're cool like he doesn't know he can't know because otherwise there's no way he'd play him but we did find it a bit strange that x y and z were on the bench like Sai was on the bench whoever else but we're like all right cool so anyway we we turn up at all the shot and he didn't really he didn't really say too much in his pre-match team talk he didn't he didn't really like say much and we're thinking something doesn't something doesn't seem right here like it it, it it just seemed a bit weird so anyway we've gone out sure enough we get absolutely humped by all the shot um i think in the end it might have finished off like did it finish 2-1 in the it end did, yeah yeah 2-1 yeah. so anyway at half time at half time he didn't say anything 
So we come in at half time and normally half time would be the moment we walked in to after the whistle had gone, he'd be talking the whole time and he barely said anything. He was just kind of wandering around and he said a couple of bits, not not too much. So game finishes, we lose 2-1. Everyone's kind of clapping the fans. All right, cool. We'll get it done next week. Like yada, yada, yada. Go back in the changing room and he's there and he's quiet for a bit. And then he just and then he just flipped like he just lost it like the the most crazy i'd ever seen him go aside from that leon clark thing this was the most crazy that he'd ever gone um so he's like um he basically came out of it he's like oh oh i i know you went out i know you went out on saturday and we're like oh no oh no oh no he knows he knows yeah and then he started going nuts and i remember he had a frank muller watch on like a 30 grand watch and it was unbelievable this watch and he's like talking and he's like effing and blinding like you got excuse my French here he's like he's like you we come to order shot and you fucking lose to order shot because you out and you drinking and you blurry like that and he's turned around and just punched this on he's punched a solid brick wall as hard as he possibly could have punched it and his watch and his watch broke it, it, this watch like fell off, broke and fell on the floor. And Fabrizio's just like run over and scrambling on the floor to pick up this watch or whatever. His hand was like bleeding, his knuckles were bleeding and he's going crazy. And he's like, I trusted you. I go back and you go out and you get blurry and you drink and then you fucking lie to me and you say that it's all good and everyone talking and everyone hiding and being secretive and saying that everything's fine. And I know you and I knew this would happen and you lose the fucking order shot and now you fucked everything up. He's like going nuts. And then he picked up a like we had a clove skip and it was on like this uh railings like it was on a set of wheels and he thought the whole thing was attached together but he's like picked up the as he's picked up the 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 skip the the wheels have fallen off underneath yeah so he's gone to throw the skip and then kind of stepped into the wheels and the wheels have moved and he's kind of slipped on the wheels so he's ended up not throwing the skip very far like probably just literally like a meter to the side then been a bit embarrassed that obviously he kind of fucked up and didn't like so then he's picked up the wheels which were like these heavy steel wheels on a on a square frame and he's just zinged them across the room and alan connell has literally had to like duck under them and they smashed a big hole in the drywall like if they'd have hit him he'd have been in serious serious trouble so he's like um he's like ah oh, ah oh, you you, you want to dance you want to go out and party you want to get with girls you want to act like you're the big show you want to act like you've made it yada yada, yada whatever whatever he's like you want to dance he's like do you want to dance you want to dance he's like claudio claudio put the music on Put the music on. I want to see them dance. I want to see them dance. Like that, yeah, we're sitting there in c- complete silence. And then, but he's not joking. He's like, Claudio, put it on. And we had this like speaker that you put a phone into. And obviously we played music on it before the games. And he's like, turn the speaker on. I want to see them dance. And I'm thinking in my head, if he puts music on here, like, what are we going to do? Are we all going to stand up and start dancing around? Like, this is going to be the most awkward thing ever. So he's like, put put, put the music on, let them dance. And then just turned around and just hoofed, just absolutely volleyed the speaker. Yeah, everyone's in complete silence. This thing's just like shattered. And then he's just gone. As he's walked out, he's just flung the door open. The door nearly come off the hinges like that. He's thrown one hand up in the air and just gone let them dance like that and he just like walked out the room and then we've all just sat there and we're just looking around and like alan connell's like still on the floor there's this wheels hanging out the wall 
speakers got like sparks flying out of it and we just sat in disbelief like oh my god this is so bad like because because that wasn't obviously the end of it either the next day we had to obviously come into training and then find out he wanted to know who had been out he like like some had got away with it some weren't named on the forum so then he wanted to know raise your hand if you were out kind of thing some people tried to ride their luck and not put their hand up oh, it was carnage like it, it was a real real bad situation for like two or three days amazing what would you have done if music came on and what song do you think it would have been i'd gone straight into the moonwalk and the sport <laughs> And just and just like thought to my, like surely that's going to impress him. He's got to be buzzing off that. Um, but yeah, I'd have gone bold. I'd have just yeah started like, but like popping and locking right in his face. <laughs> I think if you started dancing, he would have started just volleying people. I don't know what I don't know, yeah I don't know what he, I don't know what he would have done. But at what there was a serious moment there where everything stopped and I thought we're about to we're going to have to get up and start dancing in a second like. That was, he wasn't letting it drop. He's like, you want to dance? Like, dance, let's dance then. And I was thinking, this is going to be the best thing ever if we're all stood there, like, in tears, dancing. Amazing. Well, there we go. That brings us to the end of another journey through Swindon <laughs> Town, through the eyes of Callum Kennedy. How are you feeling? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it brings back good memories, to be fair. Well, you're always welcome to come on. Maybe we'll get you on for the Christmas special. Nice. All right, <laughs> cool. Let's do, a, let's do a joint one with Cy. Yeah, yeah. Callum, thank you very much for taking part and thank you to all the people that provided questions. Callum, thank you very much. Sweet. No worries, mate. Thanks a lot for the time and uh, I'll speak to you soon, no doubt. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy... 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 